The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, the Royals now sit just three and a half games behind the Detroit Tigers and just one half game back of Toronto and need to go for the jugular tomorrow after another satisfying win against the Diamondbacks and another series win for the Royals. Welcome in. It's Davo on Clubhouse Conversation with your dish as KC emerges victorious in a one-run game as they're trying to get that mark up, that putrid mark. There's a big word for you. The Royals now move to 15 and 21 this year in one-run games. They're now 10 and 4 against the National League, which of course takes you back to those late 90s when they could have moved to the National League instead of the Milwaukee Brewers. They had that offer, decided to stay in the AL. I imagine the Royals probably would have had three or four playoff appearances by now had they gone to the NL, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But the Royals continue to excel against the National League. And this one was all moose. All bullpen and all Ventura tonight. Pretty much in that order, I would say. Let's start off with Mike Moustakis, who drove in all four Royals runs tonight, highlighted by that big fly, the two-run homer in the second inning. And Mike Moustakis is perhaps, on this Royals team, the hardest player to figure out. I mean, when you look at him, you look over his stats, some of his advanced metrics. Even from watching his approach, you can see this, but the stats kind of validate it. He's working to pitcher better this year. He's seeing more pitches per at-bat. It seems like he's giving you top four at-bats, I would say, in most nights in this lineup. I would say Alex Gordon, Omar, and Fonte are far and away your one and two guys at giving you quality at-bats every time up there. I mean, Moustakis is definitely in the top five, probably fourth on this team when you look at quality at-bats, when you you know consider pitches seen, laying off some pitches, having an approach. It seems like the shift hasn't really gotten in his head very much. He's not trying to fight it very much. I mean, it just seems like his approach is pretty good. So offensively, he's doing the right things in a lot of ways. I mean, especially earlier in the year, it was walking more, seeing more pitches. But I don't know. The average and the on-base still isn't there. 195, obviously. But then again, the power kind of is there. 14 home runs for Moose. I mean, if you can get 20 to 22 out of third base in the American League with average defense, that's I mean, that, that plays. I mean, as long as you've got production out of right field, first base, and DH, you can live with 20 to 22 at third base in the American League with average defense out there. But it's so weird with Moose. I mean, he's pacing for about 20 home runs, and depending on who you talk to, he's either above average or average defensively. I, I count him in the average court right now just because he does make some spectacular plays. He is heady out there in the field, but I mean, we've seen, what, three errors in the last week from him, two of them back-to-back in that last homestand in the same inning. I mean, it just seems like with Moose, it's Jekyll or Hyde. It's all or nothing a lot of times. And defensively, I, I feel like there's more there for him. I think I mean, Ned Yost would tell you he's above average defensively, Dayton more of the same thing. And, and I can see that. I mean, he makes the plays that a lot of steady third basemen can't necessarily make. But then again, he's botching a lot of routine plays as well. So he's just kind of up and it's kind of just hard to know what to think of Moose. I mean, occasional brilliance with the glove, but then bad errors from time to time. And the weird thing about him too is that he's really only a year away from beginning his peak years. I mean, we're well over what, 1700 at bats now in his career. We're in the mid 20s now. And if you look from a broader spectrum going into next year real quick here, let's just take our mind out this game here for one quick second. You look into 2015 at third base, what do you do if you're the Royals? In 2015, I mean, he's showing you. Ju- he's, he, I mean, he's showing you just enough. 
to believe that there's more there. Just enough to think that the guy you thought he was is who he is. And I'll always say this. I mean, I saw Mike Musakis play in Burlington. I saw him play in Northwest Arkansas, and I saw him play in Omaha. Probably saw him 12 to 15 games, probably saw 50 at-bats in the minor leagues. I must have seen six home runs. I mean, the way he hit, I mean, it was just ridiculous how can't miss he was when he came up. Ridiculous. More so than any guy I've seen in the last 10 years for the Royals in their minor league system coming through. I mean, Will Myers would be up there, but I don't know. I, I think Mike Moustakis, offensively, Eric Hosmer had some nice years, but had a real down year one year at Wilmington before he got the LASIK. I don't know. Mike Moustakis, my point in saying this is what do you do next year? I mean, there's some days where I think the Royals have to upgrade next year at third base. I mean, even if you don't get somebody that can hit 22 home runs, if you can get somebody that can hit 15 over there and hit 250 and play average to above average defense, like, uh, maybe a Joe Randa type even. More steady is what I look for out of third base. Somebody who can not have near as bad splits, although Moose doesn't really hit righties much better than he hits lefties <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But you get the point. I mean, I don't know. If Moose can steady that D a little bit and continue to hit the ball to the ballpark, I mean, if he's hitting 22 to 25 home runs and hitting 200 but makes all the plays, I guess you can live with that as long as you upgrade right field and DH big time next year. So just something interesting to think about. Well, think, think to yourself. I'd love to hear from you if you want to send me an email through the website here. You can do it on the contact us page or O at clubhouseconversation.com. I'd love to read some of your emails and talk to you about that. Twitter at Royals Clubhouse. I mean, what do you think about this? What would you do next year if you were the Royals at third base? Nothing we have to talk about in depth for a while, but just something to kind of think about. But getting back to this game then. So Moose was the only Royal with two hits. He drove in all four runs, a nice hustle play there in the ninth inning, which was ended up being the game-winning run. I mean, the Royals as a, as a team offensively were fine tonight. I mean, you kind of expected this. Usually after you score double figures, it seems like the next day it's really, really tough to score runs. So getting four the next day is fine. The pitching was great again tonight, although I thought the Royals dodged some bullets. I thought the Royals were very lucky to get out of the park with a win tonight. It just it never felt quite as safe. I mean, I thought they'd probably win it, but I mean, let's let's look at some of the things for you. Donovan Ventura went six innings tonight, allowed just two runs. Awesome. But he did allow nine base runners, including eight hits and a walk. Luckily, the reason he was able to walk the tightrope, of course, was the strikeouts. They were there. Eight strikeouts in six innings. That's the sole reason he was able to get out of this one with just two runs in his six innings. And so, I mean, another good start for Ventura. It's kind of like we talked about with Danny Duffy last game. These guys, I mean, go out there and go five or six innings, give up a couple runs, one run, and throw a lot of pitches, and it's almost like disappointing. You're almost like, wow, they had an off night. I mean, that's how good these guys are, Ventura and Duffy. I mean, you take it any day of the week, no doubt. You, you, you tell me six innings, two runs, I'll take it from pretty much any starter any day of the week. I mean, you want seven innings optimally, but six and two, I'll take that all day, especially with this bullpen. So good sign for Ventura and Duffy. And it's, it's exciting to think of the, speaking of the future, we talk about Moustakas. It's, it's exciting next year to think about the Royals one through three in that rotation with Ventura. I, I imagine the one through three, which is Ned Love's left, right, left, would be Vargas, Ventura, Duffy for their one through three next year. I imagine Guthrie gets one of those back end spots and then. Either a free agent, most likely they'll bring in somebody for a one-year stopgap, or possibly somebody like a Lamb or someone like a Zimmer or someone like a Finnegan or a Manaya. So there's there's enough interesting guys down there, maybe Jason Adams, some other guys, but we'll see what they do. But it's, it's exciting to know that one through three next year, the Royals look good even without James Shields. It'll be tough to lose him, but the Royals seem like they'll be in good hands, especially if this bullpen keeps it up. So Calvin Herrera, another nice seventh inning. The guy is the most 
unsung hero on this team, Kelvin Herrera. A lot of fans seem to somehow be under the impression that he's not that good. The average fans, you might say, the casual fans. But Herrera, to me, is the unsung hero of this bullpen. We'll talk a lot more about him soon because I want to give him some big props. I've been very excited with Kelvin Herrera this year as he also enters his peak years and gets to the point where you can see him still only 24 years old. How is that even possible? I remember talking to Kelvin Herrera in 2009 at spring training, and it seemed like he'd already been in the rotation for or in the organization for two years at that point. I, I mean, I, I think he's been around since 07, hasn't he? This guy is so – how is he still only 24? It's awesome. Now, Wade Davis and Greg Holland, speaking of the teetering we talked about where the Royals just seemed to barely hang on to this one, Wade Davis – his ERA is ridiculous, 0.93, but did give up two hits, struck out one in his inning, didn't look like the normal Wade Davis we've seen this year, but got the job done. Greg Holland, same thing, gave up a run with two hits in his one inning, strikes out the hitter to end the game, which is fairly customary for for Holland and pretty much all Royals closers, isn't it? Didn't Monty used to do that, and Soria used to always do that? Hell, even Jonathan Broxton did that a few times. So Holland now sitting at 1.85, but yeah, the Diamondbacks had 12 hits tonight, but only scored three runs. They left runners all over the place. It's been a trend for them all year, obviously. And without Goldschmidt, that really hurts. I mean, the Royals are pretty fortunate, I think, to win tonight. They walked a tightrope. They lived to tell about it, which is great. I mean, I, I thought that ball that Mark Trumbo hit in the ninth, that he squared up pretty well, the one that was just up enough against Greg Holland. I, I thought that was a three-run home run off the bat and gone for a loss. I mean, I had that sinking feeling in my heart. But Greg got it up just enough where the tomahawking didn't work. The ball went to the glove of Alex Gordon for the second out. And speaking of the Diamondbacks, I mean, obviously they're not, they're not a very good team, but they're they're not as probably as bad as they, the record says. I don't know. I mean, maybe they are. On <laughs> second thought, I mean, especially without so many of their key guys that are injured. But I think the Royals are getting out of town just in time. Let's put it that way. There's one game left. No matter what happens tomorrow, it's been a successful road trip and a successful series. You really want to go for that sweep, though, tomorrow. So let's hope the Diamondbacks wait one more day to explode offensively because they're due pretty soon. I mean, they're due. They're going to start hitting the ball here pretty soon. Let's just hope the Royals get out of town before it happens. So tomorrow is a game still very much in the Royals' favor, and a win tomorrow would be absolutely giant. You win tomorrow, you've won 12 of 15, and you're 5-1 and one on this road trip that most people are hoping for 3-3 three and three on. I mean, you'd be two full games better than what most realistic people said. Now, I said four and two on this trip coming in, and they've already got that. They've got four and two secured. But, I mean, we're to the point now where if you win tomorrow, like I said, you're five and one on the trip. You're within either two and a half or three and a half of Detroit, and you're either in that second wild card or a half game out coming home for a huge seven-game stretch, I'm assuming, in front of sold-out crowds at least twice this weekend or near sold-out crowds. And that gives you a little bit more room for error. And that's seven games. I mean, three and four, it wouldn't kill you. Four and three is the goal. Coming into that seven, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. But four and three is the goal for that seven games against the Athletics and Giants. But yeah, if you win even tomorrow, even three and four, then you're still doing okay through that stretch. So tomorrow, it's Jeremy Guthrie against Vidal Nuno, who the Royals have seen before with the Yankees. And combined this year, he's two and seven with the 4.78 ERA. He's been better since coming over to the Diamondbacks in his five outings, I believe it is. But two and seven, four, seven, eight. The key to me is 19 home runs allowed in 107 innings. And the home run ball has been huge for the Royals in this series. 10 of their 12 runs last night, 2 of their 4 tonight came off the home run ball. Make it happen one more day against a very ordinary lefty who went to Baker University, by the way, just south of Lawrence. Get that job tomorrow. Get it done. Get fat. It's not a must win by any stretch, but it's a game you really need. Because the way I look at it, too, the Royals need to go, what, 31-19, and 19, I believe, to get to 90 wins now. 31-19 and 19 gets you to 90 wins. And I think 90 wins gets you in the playoffs. I, I just, 
I mean, because the, the thing is, the Royals have the same record as they had this day last year, or after this many games, I should say. But last year, they were chasing more teams. This year, basically, everyone's even with them. I mean, everyone's within a game of each other for the wild card. So, I mean, you wouldn't think somebody's going to go much better than 31-19, and 19, and the Royals have the easiest schedule of those teams. So, obviously, any team in this can say the same thing. Oh, if we go 31-19 and 19 or 32-18, and 18, we're getting in the playoffs. It's probably true. But the Royals probably have the most realistic way to get there because their schedule looks really good. And teams like Seattle still have so many games left against Oakland and, and you know Anaheim as well, or Los Angeles, or whatever the hell they call that team these days. And then you look in the East. I mean, the East is competitive. Even the Rays down there have been hot. I mean, Toronto's got a tough stretch. So, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like the Royals only have six against Detroit. If they can go four and two in those six against Detroit, go four and three this weekend, they have a very good chance at the playoffs if they just hold their own and take care of business against the weaker team. So we'll see what happens. And the other good thing, by the way, about getting to that, you know, that win tomorrow is you figure 31 and 19 gets, gets you to 90. Well, 33 and 17 probably wins the Central. I think 92 wins is probably the number that wins the AL Central this year. So you go 33 and 17, you can win the Central. Now, I understand. I'm saying, I mean, that's. Literally a 6.66 warning percentage to go 33 and 17. I I'm aware how how near impossible that seems like, but I mean to get to either goal, the bottom line is you're gonna have to delay the losses as much as possible. When you're this hot, you just gotta keep winning, knock off the wins, and allow yourself margin for error later because the Royals will have a bad series or two later on in the year. Like we keep talking about, they can probably lose two or three more series. They just cannot afford to get swept in any series from here on out, and they're going to have to sweep a few series. I've been saying that consistently. The Royals need to sweep probably three more series and need to not get swept in any of the two or three series they lose. That's the formula for getting into the playoffs. Win two out of three except for six series. Three of them you sweep. Three of them you lose two out of three. So get that that sweep tomorrow against the Diamondbacks. Get fat. Get out of town. And let Arizona get hot against whoever they play next this weekend. We'll talk to you again tomorrow here on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you were able to listen to the interview we did with J.C. Solbaron this morning. Had a nice outing tonight again for Northwest Arkansas. Eric Hosmer's teammate. Check that out here on Clubhouse Conversation. You can stream it on the site or download it and take it with you. Also, happy to report that I will be talking to former Royal pitcher from 06 and 07. Luke Hudson joins us this weekend on Clubhouse Conversation. Tell a friend to listen and tell a friend the Royals are the best. Have a good night. Go Royals.